Welcome to Talking Confidence with me, Holly Kaplan. Having confidence in the workplace is essential for progress, fulfillment, and yes, survival. The issue is that confidence doesn't always come easy and is impacted and influenced along the way. Well, as a confidence coach, I know the key to finding and keeping your confidence is to recognize how professional situations have affected how you think of yourself. In this podcast together, we will examine exactly what impacts women's confidence in the workplace. We're going to get raw in these episodes. We are going to peel back the layers of social interactions, company culture, gender discrimination, ageism, and more. My guests will include entrepreneurs, corporate executives, and business owners. We are going to get down to what these women are really feeling. Expect vulnerability, openness, and relatability. But most importantly, expect to find your confidence. Have you ever had an inspired idea about starting a business or writing a book or venturing into a passion project? And maybe you started to take the first steps into that inspired idea. You put work into it and you found it fulfilling, but then you stopped. Perhaps you stopped because you felt like you didn't have enough time or questioned your next steps. And then your idea fell away. And a year later, you think, why didn't I pick that up again? Well, there are several reasons. Time is an issue, like obligations to family or work. They take precedence. Limiting beliefs can stop you. Even though you felt great pursuing your idea, that damn doubt crept in and slowed you down. And lastly, it is easier to just dream about it than do it. Doing the thing takes effort, time, and willingness to get uncomfortable because you're building something new, which is healthy, by the way. If you have experienced the inspired idea and then the infamous halt, you're not alone. You're normal. But know that there are ways to get through this and still achieve that passion project. My guest in this episode, Alana Matthews, has been through it herself, and she will tell us how her inspired idea turned into her reality. Be sure to listen through to the end of this episode so you can hear my two tips on taking incremental steps. Alana Matthews is the founder of Alada's Clothing Company, a women's custom luxury clothing company. The mission behind Alatus is to remind women of their worth and infuse confidence through luxury custom pieces, versatile enough for work and everyday life. A C-suite executive, mother, daughter, and friend, Alana Matthews founded Alatus after over a decade of practicing law and over eight years as a leading executive in professional sports. Prior to Alatus, Alana Matthews was executive vice president, business operations, and general counsel of the NHL team, the Dallas Stars. She was the first female executive at the C-suite level for the franchise and the youngest general counsel in all of the major leagues when she took on the role with the Dallas Stars. From her experience as a lawyer and executive in professional sports, Alana recognized that most custom suiting companies only served men. Alana felt women deserved this experience, and Alatus was established to fill this void. Alana, thank you so much for joining me today. I got to say, we've had so much fun and so much laughter trying to get this podcast episode together that it's like comedy of errors. So I'm glad we're finally having our conversation today. I know, me too. It's been a wonderful endeavor um, in <laughs> patience. Uh, we are a bit humbled by this. <laughs> yes, we have been humbled by the technology gods. You know, yes. they've been they've been challenging us. So I'm glad to, to hear your voice and for us to get together. And I have so many questions for you today. And I know you have so much to talk about. But first of all, let's talk about how we know each other. How do, how did we meet? Well, I don't think we've met in person yet. <laughs> I know that feels weird, doesn't it? It feels so weird. 
Um, but we were introduced by our mutual friend, Wendy, yes. Wendy McGowan Ellis. Yes. Wendy McGowan Ellis here in Dallas, Texas introduced us because she has recommended you to be a speaker for us for the NABO Local DFW Association. That's the National Association of Women Business Owners. And we get to see you present in January and we're really excited. Yes. I'm so excited to be able to attend that function and um, be with so many women, powerful women, women business owners. Um, Wendy has been such a champion for a lot of us and for uh, myself and other women in the entrepreneur business space. So um, I'm not surprised she connected us because she's like a power broker of connections. She really is. And I love that she introduced us. She was like, you two need to know each other. I'm like, yeah, Wendy, you're right. <laughs> um, and I want to talk about your business. I want to get to that because I want listeners to know where they can find um, your beautiful garments. But first, let's talk about this episode. I want to talk about why we're here because you have quite a story. And I want us to talk about your time at the Dallas Stars and what transpired when you were there. But will you give us a little color to your background and your career and how you got started? Yes, of course. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, I have an interesting, unusual story. Um, I recently stepped down from my role with the Dallas Stars NHL franchise. So my role with the team, um, when I did step down, I was quite high level. Um, I was the youngest general counsel in the pro sports leagues when I took on that role and was the first female really on our C-suite for the Dallas Stars franchise. And, you know, I love to say this because it's kind of mind blowing, but I was the first female in our official Dallas Stars franchise team photo, um, which is- That's a big deal. Yeah. It's normally the players and the, you know, the trainers and the coaching staff and GMs. And there's, you know, two or three business executives that are included in the official team photo. And I was the first female to be included. So I'm really proud of that. Now, when you were in that, did you know that, that you were the first one that they're like, Alana, you're the first person, first woman to be a part of this? Oh, yes, I definitely knew. <laughs> and I made sure to show up ready to take my seat front and center to have that be in the history books for sure. Good for you. Good for you. And how many years did you say you were with them again? So I was with them just a little bit over eight years, eight, eight and a half years. I was with the team. Well, I can only imagine what that time was like, especially being the first female to have that role. But what what did you learn in that time? And how did it, how did it impact your confidence? It's the amount of growth and learning from challenges as well as really wonderful experiences, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. I'm just so grateful for it. I could talk forever about what I learned, but, you know, it... Really, I'm so grateful for my time there because the lessons taught me that I could do it. I I could step into roles without, you know, um, that doubt. Uh, I I learned how to learn. I learned how to manage high volumes of information and chaos and manage a team. Um, and so, from a confidence standpoint, it really taught me to. I really honed my view that I'm an incrementalist, that I want to take things one step at a time, make things better bit by bit, um, and that, um, you know, how to find answers and 
and solutions by thinking creatively. But first, you got to take a deep breath and assess the situation and stay calm. And I love that about sports is, you know, you win some games, you lose some, but you got to stay focused and have that mental toughness and that carried over into the business side as well. Um, I had to use the Alana method today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to hear that. I did because I had a shitload of stuff on my list to do. And I was like, think like Alana, (laughs) think incrementally. One thing at a time. Do not get overwhelmed. One thing at a time, and you're going to get what you need to do. Um, so I know that was how you, how you were thinking about things, and I know it's how you still think about things. What were yeah. some of the tools that you used personally and professionally to stay on task? Like I just said, I use a list. I'm old school. I got a pen. I got paper. What are some of the things that you did to help you think incrementally? Yeah. You know, so one thing that I'll say is I'm really intentional about managing my mindset and being aware of what I'm consuming mentally, thinking, listening to how I'm speaking to myself and my mind and asking questions introspectively. Like, why am I so upset about this? Oh, I'm feeling anxious. Why do I feel anxious? Um, Or why am I nervous? You know, what what could go wrong? What's the worst thing that could happen? So I I will say the tool that that has been helpful for me is really trying to be aware of my energy and my own emotional reaction to things. Um, and then just kind of asking those inquisitive questions. And then from a very practical standpoint, I am definitely a list person as well. Uh, I live by my calendar as most of us do, but I'm really, I've learned over the last decade that I do best when I prioritize one to three things per day. Um, and focus on those. And then everything else, I kind of say, okay, when can this slide? Can this slide to tomorrow? Can it slide to next week? So really ascribing timing, deadlines, and priority, which is a true superpower to be able to prioritize. It takes time to learn that. But I try to say, okay, what are the three things that I have to do today to feel accomplished, to feel ready, to serve the people I need to serve, to move things forward? And if I don't get anything at four, five, six, seven, those numbers on the list done today, I don't beat myself up for it. That's great advice. And let me just tell the listeners that you have two children, a husband and another on the way. So <laughs> this is expert advice coming from Alana. Yeah. Seriously. I have, I have that's a, a lot. A two-year-old and I'm due in three weeks with baby boy number three. Um, so I, I guess I do have a some experience jumping from one hat to another and managing, you know, obligations. Right. But what I love about what you're saying is that when you think about issues, not issues, things that you have to do in terms of three, it's a lot easier to break it down and it's a lot more digestible Yeah, you're going to reduce your anxiety and feelings of being overwhelmed. Yes. And I would just add that, you know, if you set yourself up, I felt I struggled with this when I was younger, that I'd make a list of 10 things I had to do today. And if I only got six of them done, I would beat myself up and see it from a negative mindset rather than saying, okay, you got six things done. You're amazing. I'd be like, oh, I didn't get all 10 done. What about those other four I didn't get done? And so I think I cultivated an approach where I was giving myself grace and seeing things positively. Like you're amazing. You got these three things done on your list, which fuels more positivity and more confidence rather than seeing it from what I didn't get done today 
Um, you can view it from what did you achieve today? And that creates a positivity kind of spiral that will move forward. Yeah, you give yourself momentum that way. And I think we as women tend to think of, oh, I didn't get that done. I didn't get six, seven, and eight done on my list. You know, I'm a, I'm a failure. We tend to beat ourselves up about it. We really don't have to. Yes, that's so self-imposed. And um, if you can flip that narrative, um, it's really empowering and, pos- and positive. I love what you're saying. The power of threes and flip your narrative. Yes. Yes. And be just gra- graceful to yourself. Like, you know, we're so hard on, on, on ourselves and we would never be that way with somebody else. <laughs> no, that's true. We, we wouldn't do that to our daughters or our friends, or our sisters. We wouldn't, we wouldn't act like that in that situation. We'd be like, oh no, you're fine. You're doing great. Yes. So treat yourself the same way. I agree. Well, I want to pivot a little bit because I know you were with the Dallas Stars for years and now you've given, given us your methods to stay on task and what helped you grow and um, stay confident in what you were doing. At what point did you decide to open your own business? Well, there wasn't one point. There wasn't like one specific day. It was a slow burn. Um, I've always had entrepreneurial goals ever since even like high school um, and university um, because I've, I'm a highly autonomous person. I'm intrinsically motivated. I like my autonomy. So I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit, but I loved my time with the Dallas Stars because I learned so much. It helped me grow as a professional, as a lawyer, as a, as a person. Um, but I realized that there was a, an opportunity to serve women and fill a hole in the market through custom suiting, custom uh, clothing for women. And the more I kind of poked at that uh, hole, that the part of the market that wasn't being served or directed towards women, bespoke suiting and custom suiting has historically been towards men, particularly men of privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, which we saw a lot in sports with players and GMs and coaches and executives all wearing custom suiting. The more I poked at that, the more I realized I could have an impact and help women be feel great, look great, feel empowered in a way that really got me energized. And I, I say there wasn't one point, but there was a day when I kind of had this reflection that I learned so much at the stars and we're still learning, but I had this sense that I could do this and I wanted to try and um, everything I'd done at the stars, it helped me get to that position, running all of our operations and our legal and helping run the team from a high level. And I just felt called to have a company that served women. I appreciate that. Because I, you saw there was an unmet need. Yes, and, and it came from a personal standpoint because the idea for a lot of us was me as a C-suite executive wanting custom suiting for myself. And the men's custom clothing companies said they only focused on men. And I was like, well, what about me? Oh my God, <laughs> seriously, why is that? Like, why, why? It's, you know, I didn't get, I did uh, an analysis for a year after my first son was born. I was like, surely someone is doing this. And historically, suiting and and blazers and trousers and all of the custom bespoke um, 
offerings have been towards men. And when I asked a lot of several companies, it was, we just don't do women's or women's bodies are hard or changing. And I was like, well, just because it's hard, that's not a great answer. <laughs> you have a measuring tape, just measure us and make it work. Yeah. So, you know, and, and when I circulated the idea with my network of wonderful women, I got such a response to to the notion of having a say in how things fit or having a say in how things look that you wear when you go to work. Um, and, you know, my personal experience is that women executives, what we wear to work is really important. Um, and no matter how you work, whether it's home or, you know, at a at a office or, you know, as a mom, you know, what you wear helps your mindset. And why shouldn't we have an input in that? I agree with you. I totally agree with you. Um, tell me this, and I know who's, the listeners will appreciate this. How long did it take you to pull the trigger? And I know you work in increments, which is very smart. Yes. And obviously don't open a business overnight. You just don't. Will you talk about your process from when you came up with the idea to when you decided on when you were going to start? How long did that take? And what were what did you do in that time frame? Yeah, absolutely. And I will add the fun part, one of the fun parts of this whole journey is that I had my boys, my, my first two boys during this whole journey. So I really felt empowered after having my first son, Declan, in 2018. Um, you know, I didn't, it was certainly a huge challenge to, you know, become a mom, but I felt so strong that, you know, if I could bring life into the world and I felt such a sense of urgency, um, after he was born. And so I really started the journey for a lot in 2018 after Declan was born and I didn't step down from the team until 2022. So this past, uh, end of the last season. So it was a four year journey. And I started really just asking the question of, does this exist? Does this, what's the market look like? What does the competitive landscape look like? And it started, as I said, by a cons- by my own need as a consumer, I was looking to buy. And the more I kept asking questions and poking holes, I realized that there wasn't a great solution for women in the custom clothing space. And it just, you know, one question led to another question to let another question. And I spent my nights and weekends learning about patterns and tech packs and you know, hiring consultants to just kind of teach me uh, how garments are made and how the custom clothing process works and what's out there. Um, and I move forward with prototypes of our garments that are now on sale on our website at allotus.com and um, was ready to, you know, go full in probably like end of 2019, beginning of 2020, right before COVID hit. So COVID derailed my entrepreneurial journey a little bit, which was probably a blessing um, because I learned so much helping the team navigate COVID um, as our head COVID officer for the franchise. That was a true test of metal and staying calm and... (laughs) Empathy uh, and dealing with staff and executives in the NHL. But um, I also had my second son, Thatcher. He was born during COVID in July 2020. So um, I had a little bit of a, high, a disruption in my 
journey, but I started with a question, a personal need that I was trying to have fulfilled. Then I did a market analysis. And then I just took incremental steps to learn because I, I don't have a technical training in fashion or clothing design or pattern making. I knew nothing about the industry. So it was a lot of Googling and calling and begging people and being really okay with not being the most knowledgeable person in the room or in the call and just asking questions that were so simplistic, but you know, that knowledge compounds. It does. And I like how you made yourself vulnerable to learn and to, to beg people to help or whatever it was that you needed because you wanted to do it so badly. Yes, that's been a pattern in my career is just, um, I want the answer and I'm okay asking the question, even if it kind of makes me look silly or feel silly, because yeah. I just tell myself, you know, this is the only way to learn. And once I learn it, you know, I don't have to learn it again. So, you know, being uncomfortable and being confident enough to, you know, know that you don't know the answer and find experts who can help you, I think is a superpower. And it's been super helpful for me. I think that's terrific. It's about being uncomfortable and being confident at the same time. You believe so much in what you're doing. You're like, I don't care. I'll get uncomfortable. Yeah. I I believe my confidence is I know that my self-worth isn't defined by, you know, having all the answers right now. I, right. I get a lot of confidence knowing that I can learn as opposed to having to know all the knowledge right now. So when I come into a situation um, and I don't know the answers, it's kind of like, okay, well, how, how can I find the answers? Right. Right. And you were brave enough to go after it and just find the answers on your own. <laughs> I think it's terrific because there was no school. There was no method. You just had to go out and do it on your own and figure it out as you went. And I, I think that's very inspiring. And I think when I finally decided, okay, I'm going to go in and resign from my high level role with the team, which everybody was quite shocked about. When I made that decision, it took me a while to get to that. Um, you know, my supporters were like, Alana, a lot of this is coming together. It's taking off. You're doing, two, you know, two kids and a compass startup and your team role. Like, this is a lot. Um, you know, you're happiest, your energy is highest when you're working on a lot of um, oh. you need to make a decision, but it still took me, it took me a while to come to grips with my changing identity mm -hmm. and comes to grips with, you know, taking that leap. And I think what helped me really leap and go in and resign from the team was one, a belief that I had done a lot of good with the, my time in the team. I had maxed out what I felt every opportunity to be helpful and serve. And I had an impact with the franchise. So I felt like there wasn't there wasn't a stone left unturned at the team. So I could kind of walk away with my head held high. And then I also felt that at some point in my building of a lot on the side, that my identity had shifted. I I had I saw myself as a, a company builder, as a person who was fulfilled by trying to build a company that served women. And um, I had that sense of what's the worst thing that could happen if I left this job and tried to build my own company. And none of the scenarios were scary enough to dissuade me of my goal and passion of building a company that serves women. 
I think that's amazing. And I love how you thought, what's the worst thing that could happen? And that comes back to confidence because the answer is the scary scenarios that you kind of come up with in your head. I was like, I was confident enough that I'd be able to navigate my way through that. Right. And you did. And you did. And you're here on the precipice of this amazing business that's geared towards women. And I like how you embrace change because a lot of people will go to work for ABC organization and stay there for 40, 50 years because that's what our parents did. You know, you weren't supposed to leave. And for you to recognize that you could do something different and something that you're really passionate about is what drove you. You know, yes, it, it takes think, a lot of courage to to say, okay, yeah, I'm going to move. I'm going to do this. I'm going to separate myself and do something completely different. You know, I had a friend and a mentor tell me once I was making a big decision and about taking a job or not taking a job. And this was a couple of years ago. And his approach always really stuck with me. He was like, this is either a really, really big decision or it's not at all. And it's all in how you frame it in your mind. And I realized that you're right. You know, I'm making this such a big decision. But in reality, we have more skills, more support, um, yes. more opportunities than we think. And it's not jumping off a cliff. Um, you can, you know, you can make your your life or your career opportunities as you move forward. Um, and so I had that approach of like, is this, you know, like I said, is this really that big of a decision? It is a big decision, but I have the confidence and trust in my skill set and abilities and my support structure that I have in my family that, and my husband, that I would be able to navigate forward. Um, and is the fear strong enough to hold you from, hold you back from pursuing your lifelong goal? And the answer was, you know, you feel the fear, but if you have confidence in your abilities, then you can keep moving forward. And so I did. Right. I think that's terrific. That's great advice too. That's great advice. And that leads me to one of our last questions, because I know that a lot of women are listening to this and they're going to want to know what advice do you have to give other women who are beginning their own journey down this path? What tools or mindset should they use? Well, I would say tools. There's, it's so wonderful how much sharing and support and information is available. I mean, like your podcasts, books, uh, female groups, entrepreneur groups. You know, build your build your network, build your support, um, whole environment. I, I tell people, and this is what is helpful for me, but you have to find what's helpful for you. But I recognize pretty early that what I consume, what my mental diet is, is really important. Um, and so I listen to podcasts I that inspire, educate. Um, I am very careful about social media, who I follow, what I follow, books I read, people that I open up to and discuss are all cultivated to either inspire, educate, support and are people that have done things that I'm, you know, really curious in or have, you know, studied. But I, I'm careful about that because comparison um, and I should be here, I should do that, or these self-imposed frameworks can really dissuade you from taking the hard steps because they can hype up fear rather than confidence. So I listen to podcasts about builders, female entrepreneurs, confidence podcasts like this. 
um, and really seek out a purposely selected support system. Um, and I, I would urge everybody to build that for yourself because, you know, what you ingest is really important, not just from a, men- a physical, you know, diet, but from a mental diet. And then I would say, you know, you need to spend time on yourself. I worked with an executive coach. Um, I stopped talking to my husband about everything and found an, an unbiased outsider that could be a mirror uh, on patterns of thought uh, that I was not able to see that really helped me um, decode some of the limiting beliefs that I had. And that was so powerful for me. So I would recommend if you, you know, can get an executive coach or join a group where you can get some coaching or just find uh, a mentor that you can really open up with that can help you with that. Um, That was really helpful. And then practical advice. I block time in my calendar very intentionally the week Mm -hmm. before. There's a lot of commentary about this, about how to manage your calendar, how to manage your time. But for me, I, again, come at it from a place of grace and gratitude that I'm grateful to have a full calendar. I'm grateful to have these opportunities beyond these podcasts and build a company and have my children and be with my husband that I really try not to beat myself up if I don't get things done and I prioritize things and I block things off. And I'll add one advice here for women that I always tell my friends and colleagues is that when you're unavailable, be unapologetically unavailable. Do not have, you do not have to explain, uh, block it off in your calendar. You are not available. You own your time. And if you respect your time, others will respect it too. You don't have to say, oh, I'm going to be out from one to three because X, Y, and Z, you're, you're just out. And that has been such a great little tip that a senior female executive gave me that I try to pass along too, because I feel like women have to, we try to explain ourselves and nobody needs to know your business. You manage your own time and your own calendar and respect it. And others will as well. Right. Boundaries, boundaries, yes. boundaries. And like you said, like if, if I can't make an event for some reason, I'll say, Oh, I've got to be with my daughter and she's got soccer and then she's got karate. Like I feel like I need to tell them why I can't be there. You yeah. Have to do that. You can, you just own your time. It's okay. We don't yeah. explain anything. You, know, you type up an email. I'm so sorry. I can't make that because no, you, you, you cannot make it period. Just period. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that has well, also helped me when, you know, as I had my two children, you know, nursing or, you know, setting boundaries about when I was home versus when I was at a game versus when I was in a meeting and then it also helps me with a lot of us as I manage my schedule, you know, um, having two soon to be three kids as well as taking care of my mental health and um, and my physical health that, you know, I have to respect my needs as well. And others can't do that unless they can't respect your needs unless you respect them first. Right. I agree. I agree. It earns you respect. Well, Miss Alana, we're coming to the end of our time together today. So I want already, already. I know it's gone too fast. I know we've got, and there's so much more. I got to have you back after the baby's here because I want to hear about the second phase. I want to help hear how things are changing and how they're growing because that's going to be different. So we're going to want, we're going to have you back. 
new team member to tag along in this entrepreneurial yes. journey. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. We can't wait to have him here. Thank How you. can people get connected with you if they want to know more about your amazing clothing line or they want to have you speak at an event? Thank you so much for asking. So a lotus, uh, which is a Latin word that means elegant and refined, um, you can, it's a little bit tricky to spell, but it's a beautiful word. But if you go to our website, A-L-A-U-T-U-S.com, alatus.com, you can see our pieces on sale on our website. You can also follow us on all social channels at Alatus Clothing, A-L-A-U-T-U-S Clothing. And my personal accounts, Alana C. Matthews, happy to be you know connected via LinkedIn or my own personal social channels. Well, that's perfect. And when I post this podcast, I'll post the link to your business so they can find you that way too. Great. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, we could keep talking. We're going to do this again. I promise. We're going to do this again. We're going to do it again. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Taking an idea and turning it into reality is exciting and overwhelming at the same time. My book, Surviving a Dick Click, was an idea for years before it was written and published. I went through the highs and lows of starting my path staying on my path, and then putting it out into the world for all to see. Scary, but invigorating at the same time. Please know that whatever your project is, that you can get through it and achieve that dream. Here are my two tips for you today. The first one is timing is everything. Know that once you have the inspired idea, expect that it will take some time to put that project together. Don't think it will just come to fruition overnight. So be patient with yourself and your progress. Secondly, Doing incremental tasks towards your goal will create that consistency. And I don't mean just the big tasks. The smaller ones count too, because they keep you moving in the right direction. Those are my parting words for you today. This is Holly Kaplan. Cheers until the next episode of Talking Confidence. Thank you, Talking Confidence listeners, for joining me today for this episode. If you would like to connect with me personally for confidence coaching or speaking events, you can reach me at hollycaplin.com. If you would like to buy my book, Surviving the Dick Click, A Girl's Guide to Surviving the Male-Dominated Corporate World, you can find your copy at amazon.com. Thanks.